The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth and recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're listening, and uh, we've got another great program for you today. We'll be talking all about getting involved, active, and engaged in life and in your community, and I know you're going to enjoy this, and, and uh, it's going to open up some new ideas for you and some new depths in your recovery. So again, thanks for listening, and also thank you for liking Spirit of Recovery on Facebook. It's great to get those likes, and thank you for posting your comments on our Facebook page, and also thank you for your emails, for letting me know what's happening for you in your spirituality and your recovery walk. And I want to thank you also for letting the people in your own uh, world, your uh, recovery community, your spiritual community, unity community, your family, your friends, know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. It's great um, to have our audience expanding, and it's great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality right here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. So thank you again for letting me hear from you and letting me know that what we're doing here is making a real difference for you in your life and that the guests that uh, I have on here are people that are very special and that they are uh, really touching your life. So thank you so much for letting me know about that. Every week we have uh, topics that are important to the recovery community, and my guests are always people who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. They're people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for or teach uh, people in recovery or address topics that matter to people in recovery. My guests are always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen live via your smartphone or via your computer. You can also go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. Um, Also, if you have an Alexa-enabled device, you can ask Alexa to play Unity Online Radio. You can also go to um, iTunes and listen. We've got lots of great uh, podcasts that you can also listen to at your leisure. Just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery and you'll find years worth of great programs. 
I want you to know that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place. If you're a person in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member uh, or friend of somebody that's got uh, the disease of addiction, uh, whether or not they are in recovery or whether or not you're in recovery, you're welcome here. And I always want family members to know that there is family member recovery, that there are 12-step programs and therapies and workshops and all kind of information for family members to recover also from this family disease. Um, maybe you're also just somebody that's curious about recovery and you're just here looking for information and want to learn more about it. We're glad you're here. You are welcome to um, call or email in a question or a comment um, for my guest on the topic of the day. I also uh, want you to know that if you feel moved and inspired by what you hear here on Spirit of Recovery or the many other great programs on UnityOnlineRadio.org, and if you would like to support this nonprofit radio station financially, you can do that. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone, and you can make a one-time or an ongoing contribution. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor, and also I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship uh, many people that have the disease of addiction, and uh, 35 years ago, coming up on 36 years ago, I can't believe that, um, those relationships were a catalyst that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development, and my walk continues to be um, an integration of unity principles and recovery principles, and it keeps transforming my life, and I'm grateful for that. It keeps getting me closer to my higher power. So I am just delighted to have the opportunity here to bring you great guests and to share interesting and mind-expanding and expi- inspiring ideas and great guests who really walk their talk right here on Spirit of Recovery. So um, our topic today is recovery active and engaged? And you know, uh, when uh, there's active addiction, whether uh, the person you might be the person that's got the active substance or behavioral addiction, or you may be the family member or friend. But when when the active addiction's going on, everybody is pretty much centered on survival, and that means pretty centered on um, protecting oneself and and not too interested in branching out really into being uh, real alive and real engaged in the world in a way that, that feels good. We can we might be busy, we may be in a frenzy, but it may not feel so good. So one of the big gifts of recovery is that we get freed up, we get strengthened, so that we can begin to engage uh, with life in lots of levels in ways that are enjoyable to us and in ways that really make a positive contribution to our communities. So my guest today is going to really share with us about that because she's somebody that just does that in a wonderful way. My guest is Sandy McKinney. Sandy has been my guest a couple of times before here on Spirit of Recovery and always has something great to share. Uh, Sandy is a unity minister, and she's also celebrating over 42 years of recovery. She'll share with us some about that. And Sandy has a passion for spiritual justice and interfaith community. And today she's going to be talking with us about how her recovery supports and motivates her active engagement in leadership in her community to create a healthier, a more just, and more inclusive world. Sandy has gotten involved in politics. 
She has run a successful political campaign, and she now represents District 2 of the Eau Claire, Wisconsin County Board of Supervisors. And um, she's going to be sharing with us what that was like. We're not going to be talking about partisan politics. Don't worry about that. But she's going to share with us what that means. What is what is that about, getting engaged uh, at that level of leadership and uh, in your community and, and what that has been for her to run that campaign and how she got engaged with that and, and uh, what that's like for her. She also serves as the interfaith chaplain for the Luganville Children's Foundation. She's recently retired from 15 years as the senior minister of Unity Christ Center of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And she also participates in a group called JONAH, which is the acronym for Joining Our Neighbors, Advancing Hope. And this is an interfaith uh, group of communities that work together. And um, she has been with them to Africa, uh, bringing a project of bringing clean water to the uh, villages of Uru in Tanzania. So Sandra has been engaged in community and interfaith and leadership um, in, in bringing a good spiritual values into her community in many ways for a long time. So, um, Sandra, thanks so much for being my guest today. Oh, thank you, Anna. It's a, uh, just a joy to be back with you again. I really appreciate uh, the ask. Well, thanks for doing it. And, uh, yeah, I was just excited to have you on because, um, again, not to get into partisan politics, but I think right, right. now it's certainly one thing that's on a lot of people's minds is getting more engaged. However, you may see the cookie crumbling, but just to get more engaged in, in what's happening in our, in our communities. We don't have the luxury of just sort of sitting back and, um, cause we're supposed to, you know, we're citizens. So we need to participate and, and you've you've really done that, and I think uh, you know I that uh, knowing you that your recovery has really been a part of that. So tell us a little bit about that. If if you weren't in recovery, and I know you've been in recovery for a long time, but but if if, if you weren't, would you be doing this today? Would you be doing oh what God, you're doing? No. <laughs> and some days I still can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> was real recent, and it was people uh, coming to me and asking me if I would consider. And usually the local roles, like city council, county board, school board, those are bipartisan roles. And uh, so that's helpful, I think, uh, for us to get involved. And But with the, I think as a minister in the community, when I first got involved, with leadership uh, in a church where I had been a member for over 10 years, it was important to me to reach out into the community so that we could get a better acceptance of unity. Um, I've always had a lot of passion for interfaith and faith groups coming together because I think you can build a stronger community. And uh, so that is, uh, I think, part of how I was asked to consider running for local office is being known out in the community as a leader of a faith organization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you did um, as the leader there and the minister of um, Unity in Eau Claire in, in the interfaith community? What were some of the first things that you did, and why did you said one to get out in the community, get unity more known? What else drew you out into the community? I just think meet, meeting with other clergy, um, which we did 
at least once a month, having some events that we would host together, uh, bringing different faiths together. We have a synagogue. We have a mosque. And I just have always had a lot of passion about working together to create unity among those faith groups rather than division. I think it makes Mm -hmm. for a stronger community. Right. What are some of the activities that, is this the Jonah group that we're talking about now, or is this another interfaith group? No, this was just uh, clergy coming together to support each other. When Mm -hmm. Jonah came along, which is faith interfaith groups coming together, it was at the same time with what I like to call big unity, you know, our leadership in Missouri, saying unity really needs to be more involved in social justice work. And that's what Jonah is about, social justice work in the community. And so as those two messages were coming together for me at the same time, it was like, oh, this is really feeling like something I'm being directed to be involved in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what were some of the um, rewards from that or, or maybe some of the activities or what, what happened for you um, through your involvement in, in Jonah, this interfaith social justice group? I think just learning about other traditions uh, that, and as we come into relationship and get to know people one-on-one, I think we can really learn that we have more things we have in common, we have more values we have in common than our differences might be. Mm-hmm. And I, I do really believe in the power of relationship and, you know, creating relationship, building upon those, because I think we will have stronger communities if we really focus on relationship and really getting to in conversations with people who may not think the same way we do. And that we can agree to have our differences and yet still be in in relationship. Right. You know, when you're talking about this, Sandy, the um, I, I keep thinking about how different this is, what you're saying, these values and these actions so different from what often happens in active addiction. Again, people come from all walks of life and whatever, but one thing that the disease of addiction does is it closes you in, it makes you scared, and often not real interested in dealing with people that, that you see as, as different from yourself or you you kind of build a wall. I don't know. How do you see that? I, I do agree with that, and I think you can, you know, think about that concept of how we close ourselves off and I think that can is happening in today's world in a major way, and that we're just starting to see a willingness of people wanting to address that. And what can I do to make this a better place to be for everyone? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, re- recovery, I think, really opens up the door to that sense of uh, maybe. Not the only thing. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of people that get involved with uh, intercultural, interfaith things too. But I I do really feel that uh, recovery makes makes you feel better about yourself and makes you willing to kind of get out there and get involved. Definitely, it was in my first year of recovery that 
um, an AA sponsor said, um, it's time to go to church. And that she led me, took me by the hand, and we went to a unity church. So that was uh, almost 41 years ago. And I'm forever grateful to the connection of the 12 steps to the unity principles, like you said in your introduction, I think it's just a powerful partnership, which has been an asset in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what were those early days of recovery uh, like for you? Well, my first How'd five you- years, I pretty much stayed very connected uh, to my home group, uh, to my sponsor, to really doing... Anything that I brought into my life at that time was definitely related to recovery as I put that number one in my life, which I believe you have to continue to do. I was in treatment for 38 days, and when I came back, you know, the most important thing to me was staying sober, which was such a 180-degree turn because when I went into treatment, it was like the most important thing was whether or not you could party, so... It just really changed my life in a whole new direction, uh, actually wonderful direction, as I look back at those years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you said you went to Unity and really valued the relationships there and and valued how the Unity principles meshed uh, with 12-step. Tell us some more about that. Like, um, what what are those spiritual principles that, that uh, spoke to you then? And how's that changed over time? The concept of seeing um, this power that we have um, and how well that tied, the steps tied to what I, the teachings I was learning in unity. I just thought they really meshed. And, you know, I have a, a concept of back in the 30s when Bill and Bob were putting the 12 steps together. That's when Charles and Myrtle Fillmore were doing some of their breast work in uh, Missouri. And Bill and Bob were in Ohio, I believe. And Edgar Casey was over on the eastern part of the United States doing his work. And if you really map that out, it's a triangle. (laughs) And I just have always thought there's really something to that, that. That was in the 1930s that those three things were at their greatest power coming together. And so I really like that concept of thinking how in the universe there is this power that's creating uh, things that are happening that are going to better our lives. I see that as a tremendous gift uh, for people in recovery, including myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of went off hmm. there on you. I'm not sure. No, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. So what are some other ways that you see uh the higher power, the spiritual power creating good well, in know, our I lives. The leadership role at Unity in Eau Claire, one of my goals was that there would be an AA group that met at there. I just thought that always lends a powerful energy to a Unity uh, church or center and just held that vision that it would happen and Somebody came along and said, hey, we would love to have a, it was one of our members, and said, we'd love to have a 12-step group that meets here for AA, and they're still going strong, and it's like nine years later, so 
I just believe in the power of recovery, the power of the program, and I've seen what a change it's made in my life and continues to be in my life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, back to the, the interfaith groups and, and your involvement in it. I Again, you went to Africa with uh, the Jonah group, I think, right? Well, it's another, that's another organization I did that oh, with. Oh, okay. Great. Uh, it was called It Can Be Done Africa. Uh-huh. And Tell us about that. a separate that. entity. But that was another thing that if you really look at the beginnings of that, uh, that it's spirit-led. A woman from Chicago uh, showed up wanting to do a workshop um, at Unity here in Eau Claire and just through connections of local people started telling us about her project in Africa with a goal to bring water to this village that didn't have any. And it just felt like as we were getting involved in social justice work locally, that we should also then look at something to have a global impact. And so that made Jonah our local social justice, and it made the It Can Be Done in Africa project our global focus. And I do think there's value in unity uh, churches, centers, to really look at that for themselves, to have an impact locally as they reach outside the walls, but also then to add something on a global level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. What did you gain from your trip um, with the It Can Be Done Africa group? What yeah, was that I like for you? Able to be there twice now. Oh, We're looking great. at a trip again in 2018. The first trip, it is so amazing to um, go in. This was in Tanzania at the foothills of Mount Kilimanjaro, just to meet the people and to see how joy-filled they are, living with absolutely nothing. It just gives you a whole new uh, feeling of gratitude. And, you know, we have so much in this country, and sometimes we struggle with being happy. These people are just filled with happiness and joy and just being in their presence rubs off and they have nothing. Um, So that was probably the biggest gift of really getting to meet them, build relationships, uh, got to go live in their homes, visit the schools, uh, attend uh, church, uh, and just to experience that a different, totally different way of living. It's really, it deepens your sense of uh, that feeling of, you know, why we're here, who we, who we're meant to be in this world. So it's a great experience. I would encourage anyone who has ever had the opportunity to visit in that way another country and to just really connect with the people. And then we were able to bring the couples who are our connection there to the project, we were able to bring them to Unity in Eau Claire. Where, oh, great. Yeah, that uh-huh. was a tremendous uh, weekend with them as visitors. And uh, actually, the gentleman speaks English and Swahili, and so we were able to have him speak to our group. And it really connected the whole community then to this larger project, even if they are not able to travel there. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. 
So you speak of the joy of the people that you met in Tanzania. What is it that you think that makes them so joyful? You know, if we had that secret, we could bottle it and sell it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I don't think we know. Uh, they just have this joy for life itself. Um, yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that one. But it does mm-hmm. rub off when you're around them. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. That's great. That's good to know. So um, that so that's exciting. So this group was called It Can Be Done Africa. And I'm sure yeah, there are many different groups that go. And they, we have drilled one well and a reservoir, and now they're on their second and drilling for and building a second reservoir. So water now has been piped to the up the mountain to the villages into the clinic our next goal is to get it into the schools and mm-hmm. since that frees up the women and children who would normally go out searching and gathering water uh, they the women then created uh, an organization for themselves where they make uh, products jewelry and textiles and then those products are brought back here and sold here. And we have a couple entities around the U.S. where their products are sold. So that money then goes back to them. It's incredible to watch the changes that have happened for those women in those communities as they've been able to organize. Right. What? How are some? What's different for them now than it used to be? I think I could watch, uh, just having been there two different times over a four-year period, to see them coming into their own sense of worthiness and honor and respect and that this was a contribution that they were making to the larger community and especially to the younger uh, females, the girls, yeah, it was. It's been fascinating to watch. They're finding their voice. Um, mm-hmm. It it was very powerful to be part of that. We took them a couple sewing machines, and uh, and then every time we go, we fill suitcases full of supplies, and that's what we use to bring back the products that they've made. So, do I would encourage your listeners to check out that website. It can be done, Africa. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds really good. So um, we're going to take our break right now, and um, my guest is Sandra McKinney. She is a Unity minister. She's also a person in long-term recovery, celebrating over 42 years in recovery. And Sandra is active and engaged in her community and leadership, as we're just hearing in Interfaith. She is just recently retired as the uh, long-term minister of Unity in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And uh, she's been, uh, she is currently the, uh, a member of the Eau Claire, Eau Claire County Board of Supervisors uh, representing District 2. So, listeners, stay with us. We'll be right back here on Spirit of Recovery and keep talking about being active and engaged. We'll be right back. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. 
you can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your soul will thank you. the saying a good deed is its own reward well moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward it will also reward you with vibrant health boundless energy an easy way to keep your weight where you want it and according to yogis and unity's co-founder charles fillmore even give a boost to your spiritual life On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your host. And our topic today is recovery, active and engaged. And my guest is Sandra McKinney. And Sandra is a unity minister and a person in long-term recovery. And she's also a person that's uh, been very engaged in interfaith, still is, and interfaith social justice and also is a member of um, the Board of Supervisors in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So, uh, before we get back to our conversation, I'm going to invite you to join me in the Serenity Minute, a brief moment of meditation, uh, 
and getting in touch with your higher power. So I invite you to relax, to feel that peaceful presence of your higher power, to just let go and let that loving presence um, touch your heart and mind. Feel that relaxation from the crown of your head all the way through your body temple. Be aware of your breath as it comes in and goes out. And share with me this constructive idea. I'm enthusiastic about living. I am engaged in life. I'm enthusiastic about living. I'm engaged in life. And now we take just a moment in the quiet. for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I trust that that was an opportunity for you to relax and to open your heart and mind and make that conscious contact with your higher power. And now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Sandy McKinney. So, um, Sandy, tell us about your involvement in politics. How did you get started? Oh, thank you, Anne. And thank you for that lovely meditation. That was really nice. I was asked if I would consider running for the city council. And I remember receiving that phone call, and my first thought was, really? (laughs) I just had never seen myself doing anything like that. Although I did really appreciate what a group of people that were involved and what they were making happen here in this city. And they are people all under the age of 35. And I was asked to run against a 12-year incumbent. And I was a political unknown. I, the only name recognition I did have in the community was uh, through the ministry and the fact that I wrote a column for the newspaper on about a quarterly basis, which all the clergy does here. And so after a lot of prayer and talking with other people who've done that, uh, I said yes. And I learned so much and met so many great people during that process. And that was a spring election. So about this time, uh, three years ago, I was heavy into all the uh, trappings that come with running for office. And lost um, by a vote so close it had to go to a recount. And it has to be within 10 votes to uh, be allowed a recount. And actually the vote changed by one, and so I ended up losing by seven votes. But I guess to do that against someone who'd been in that office for 12 years, I guess that was... I probably have more recognition in the community for that than anything else. So I knew that group was probably going to come calling again, which they did a year later. 
but I would then have been running against many of those who had supported me. And this, again, was the city council race. And so I said, no, I don't want to run against you who helped me do that before. And then said, well, there is a county board seat open, and it's your district, so you need to live in the area where you're running. And there's no opponent. I said, that one I can do. (laughs) (laughs) And that is definitely the uh, easier, softer way to run for office uh, without an opponent. So I've been serving now for one year on the Eau Claire County Board, and it's just been a tremendous, uh, gratifying experience I'm learning a lot. I went into this knowing very little about politics. Uh, Learning a lot, meeting some great people. I do think it's important uh, that we all consider getting involved on a local level. There's school boards, there's city council, there's county boards. And each of those entities has committees where people from the community can be appointed to set with those who are elected. And, you know, this is democracy. This is, if we can maintain democracy in this uh, country, it's we need to come to that point of knowing this is by, for, and with the people. And that's what local politics is all about. Um, what did you learn from the very close race that you lost. I was amazed at how it impacted me emotionally to lose. <laughs> you know, I've had I've had a lot of success in my life and I really I, you know, I have the advantage of having been asked many times to take a position for work. I've I've done very few applications for work in my life uh and so it was a the loss was a major loss for me and and i think it was more about okay this is a loss everyone knows about (laughs) it's not just my circle of people who know me this is a loss that's known by the whole community and so i really had to look at ego's role in that and uh yeah it was uh and then you put so much time and energy into the three or four months that you're campaigning and probably a culmination of that all coming to oh it's over and nothing else is going forward from this so yeah it was a good learning experience Mhm Yeah you know that reminds me of the uh, in a way, the process of it, but of the 12 steps, as we all know, the first step is I'm powerless over externals and, and that need to surrender in order to find real power. I don't know. Did you find a connection uh, between between that and your, your recovery program? I th- yeah, I do think so. Um, now that you put that into words, that just really makes sense. Yeah, it was by accepting... Uh, surrendering, that definitely was part of it. And to really explore, okay, why why is this feeling so bad? And it, it was a great learning uh, experience, and I'm really grateful looking back that I was able to have that experience. And like mm-hmm. I said, now I probably get more recognition out in the community for that race that I lost than the one I won. <laughs> That's I didn't have right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's good. I'm 
thanks for losing that race. I'm kidding you kind of, but, but, but it's the same thing because it's like, I think probably one reason some people might not want to run for any kind of an office or stand for something in their community like that is because that fear of what if I'm, what if I lose, I'm going to be humiliated. What will happen to me or blah, blah, blah. Right. 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 So I know that we're at a time in our history in this country where, and I I do hear this every day, um, where people are really looking for how can they get involved, people who've never gotten involved before. I think people want to feel they're doing something to reflect their values, reflect who they want this country, who they want their community to be. You know, the very first and most important thing is exercising the right to vote. We, I just worked the polls for a primary, and we had like 10% turnout, which is just pathetic. And we all need to be going to vote every time there's a reason to vote, I think 100%. That's the first thing that we can all do. Uh, and then again, to look at those local organizations, those local groups that we can get involved in, uh, just to, you know, find out what do we value and what do we want to be involved in to making sure it continues to be something that's in our community. I think we all, I went to visit my doctor recently and she was one who had never done anything to speak out, part of that uh, time it took. And she was feeling very frustrated and said, Sandy, just help me know what I can do out in the community to help make a difference. And I think we can all find that it can be a very small thing, but I think we all need to find that to know. And that is really what democracy is about, that we're all involved, that we're all having a voice to speak out. Right. Yep. You know, um, Sometimes, uh, and and again, and this is kind of some talk that's that's around now too. Is there's a uh, it might feel different for women and men. Again, we're making a big generalization here, but in terms of maybe ways we're socialized or whatever, it might might for some women or some men feel different about being engaged in in political races and in in political office. How do you see that? Yeah, I was I listened to a program yesterday about this topic and. And they said they really felt, and I believe this to be true for uh, more mature women, maybe not so much for younger women, that women feel they need to be asked. That, you know, running for office isn't something I would have ever sought out. It was somebody coming and asking me to do it that made me even think about it. And so I believe that's true. And as women, we probably could get over that. the fact that we've all seen how many turned out for women coming together to have their voices heard, something that happened um, very recently, we can all be part of those. And if we can go with knowing that we're gathering uh, for something that we are for rather than something we're against. Uh, Mother Teresa once said, I won't stand with you to protest war, but when you want to gather for peace, I'll be there. So I think we need to figure out what is it we're for rather than what we're against. I would encourage that. You know, even also uh, attending, just attending local county board meetings, city council meetings, 
just being in the audience to get ourselves informed, looking at those websites. They're very well-done websites with a lot of information about what's happening in my community and what do I really care about and what do I want to make sure stays. Do I have passion for quality education and how can I be part of ensuring that that continues? Right. Yeah. Um, what's it like to be on the board after the all the campaigning is over and all that kind of flurry and energy and excitement? Now, okay, you've got you got a job. So, what's that like? Well, first of all, you have no idea. They tell you to really not say anything for your first year. You know, just spend that first year getting to uh, learn the routine and. Uh, it's very much Robert's Rules of Order, and there's and it's very professionally run. Uh, everyone's on microphone, and you have to turn your mic on. It took me forever to learn how to do that. And, <laughs> and you have so many times you can speak to an issue. and But there's people there who've been there much longer who really want you to be successful and and they encourage you and take you under their wing. I think this first year for me was so exciting because we were part of passing a living wage ordinance for the county of Eau Claire. We're the only third county in the state that has done that. And that's to watch the process of how that happened. You know, it was a year coming together until that vote finally was taken. And for me to figure out why was I for that, you know, and my niche that I found that really spoke to me was I was voting for this to vote for children who do not have a voice and maybe living in a home where people are struggling to make a living, maybe doing two or three jobs. So those children in those homes, they don't have a vote. They don't have a voice. And so my vote was a vote for them. Mm -hmm. And so I think for any of us to figure out, you know, what what is really important to us and what do we want to have a piece of making a difference in the world? You know, early on for me that was recovery, and I continue to have that passion. I lived, I've always said I lived 34 years of uh, living just for me and when that flipped around, I tried to find out how could I serve. And for me, recovery is also about service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah, it's about getting out of that just fearful little self-centeredness and into into making those relationships. So do you like meetings? Because there's I a lot of meetings going with this. <laughs> I know I'm unique in that. I I have always loved meetings. Uh, I sit on, I sit on about five boards, and with the county board, there's three committees that I'm on. So my calendar is very filled with meetings. And now, as president of Jonah, I also uh, have a lot of meetings for that. I find the dynamics um, in a meeting. Just fascinating. I've learned a lot. I can learn a lot about people and watching those dynamics. I can 
tune in and see who do I really want to develop a stronger relationship with and then make an effort to meet those people outside of the meeting space. So, yeah, I do I do enjoy meetings. Do you feel that your recovery meetings have had or in your recovery process has had any effect on that about your ability to really enjoy these sort of business or board type meetings? I think I can remember, you know, it was not always easy for me to speak in a group. It took me about a year into recovery before my heart wasn't jumping out of my chest whenever I had to speak. I remember doing my first talk at one year and telling my whole life story in five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Public speaking or speaking up in a group was very, very difficult for me. Uh, And I avoided that my whole entire life until recovery. And then I would watch people who did that well, who were articulate, who had good verbal skills in front of a group. And there was something in me that really admired that and wanted that for myself. And I know that that came just from years of practice, practice, practice. And I still always shared that up until retirement with my Unity uh, family that public speaking does not come easy for me. It still doesn't. But I do think it's something that we, that there's a power within us and that that's how spirit wants to speak through us, and that we're the catalyst, we're the vessel for that, and that we need to, in our prayer and meditation times, really nurture that for ourselves. And I do believe that everyone has that. You know what they say? One, there's two biggest fears in life: death and public speaking. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't never did have the fear over death, but the public speaking, I think. <laughs> Maybe I've made a little headway with. Sounds like it. Yeah, you know, I I think about the uh, the story in the Bible of Moses and how you know when God was calling Moses into leadership, Moses says, "No, I don't think so. I'm not a very good speaker." Right. <laughs> and God was like, "God was having none of this." Basically, yeah. I used that scripture in a LUT class down at Unity Village. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> You can relate to that one, huh? Yeah, because yeah, that, yeah. that's one of the other fears that people have about even participating at all, even in attending meetings or of, you know, of whatever, of, like you're saying earlier about going to find out about what's going on in your community. And, and, and certainly one of the fears that keeps people from uh, running for office or whatever is they're scared. Well, I can't, I don't know, I can't, I'm not a good talker or whatever, mm-hmm. but. But you're telling me that's that's not a good excuse, not going to hold water. Not a good excuse, because I really think we all have that voice within us that needs to be developed and used, and we need to speak out. And it, it's really doing that inner work first so that we know what is it we value, what do we really care about, and how can we make this time that we have on this planet um, make a difference. And Right. So in your work, Sandy, um, especially on the Board of Commissioners and also the other boards that you're on, do you spend time um, making direct contact, direct uh, visits with with 
the people you represent with your constituents, or how does that work? Do you build relationships with them? Yeah, that I haven't had a lot of time to do this first year. Uh, that's going to be my focus for this next year. Is and you do when you're campaigning, you do go knock doors. Um, I find that. Um, well, I was always amazed at how few people were home when you did that. Uh, so I'm trying to come up with a plan to my district is fairly small. I think there's 1,300 people that live in this small area. There's 29 uh, supervisors, so they make the districts pretty small. But that's a goal I have for this next year is to really make contact. I was able to make contact with a couple people in the district who were having issues that related to county board, and they were grateful that I had reached out when they had expressed the concern. And so we were able to come to some uh, resolution for the problems they were bringing. And so that part, it was enjoyable, and I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm guessing that your experience in recovery makes you uh, more comfortable and more um, effective, really, in reaching out to people on the individual level and, and really being able to perceive, you know, what they need. Is that true? I think, yeah, I think recovery and ministry uh, have helped me to be able to really connect and be one-on-one with people. And as far as uh, maybe going deeper, asking questions, maybe other people wouldn't ask. Some of the work that Jonah does is about training us uh, to build one-on-one relationships, we call it, but the important component of that is to be a good listener. You know, we don't want to be, as the person's talking, thinking about what we're going to say next. We want to really be listening and keying in on what's important to this person sitting across from me. What do they value and what do they have passion about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that makes a, a real difference, I'm sure, as you're, you know, branching out more and more to connect with the people in your district. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a recovery skill too, you know, learning to listen. I mean, that's right. part of it and and really being hearing what's going on um, for people. I think it helps us tune in maybe in some deeper levels that maybe maybe we wouldn't have uh, before yeah, recovery. It's exciting to take the message, the unity message to the larger world. That is a piece that really gives me a lot of excitement. Uh, you know, I can, and it's very subtle in how you can do that, but taking that positive message of love and light and the power and honor and wisdom and respect that uh, within each person, I just think that's very powerful that we have that not contained within our church walls, but that we are really living that in our larger communities and everything we do in every walk of life. Mm-hmm. Right, because I, I think in the end, it's it's not so much about, okay, I'm going to explain this principle to you, or, I mean, that's good if people want to know, but, but in the end, it's, as you say, it's really about how we treat people or what we're, what we're radiating out there in the world. Right. It's walking the talk. That's right. Yep. I'm curious, as you go about your business, do you ever uh, see people that 
you think, oh, okay, I see it. That that person or that family may be in active addiction. Does that ever surface? I because of recovery, I probably ask that question to myself first. Where mm-hmm. other people might explore every other entity that they might think be part of the problem. I think with a long-term recovery, I just always ask that one first. What's the alcohol drug use in this situation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that probably helps to kind of open some doors or at least some understanding maybe. Right. And I had I five years help. in the AODA field too. That's right. Early sobriety. That's right. Yep. You were an uh, uh, alcohol and drug uh, counselor for sure. Yep. So our time's about up. Any final words of wisdom that you would leave us with about being active and engaged in our communities? I would encourage everyone to explore what do they value, what's important for them. And to find something in their community that they can join and be involved in, whether that's just getting out and making sure they vote every time, making sure that they know what's going on in their communities, that their voice is heard, uh, attending uh, local meetings. I would just think that it's so important, uh, I always say, if, you you don't have a right to complain about some the way something's done unless you've been a voice at the table and have given your input. So just get involved and build relationships. Know your neighbors. Right. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you so much. Um, my guest uh, today is Sandy McKinney, Unity Minister, Person in Long-Term Recovery, um, uh, a member of the Eau Claire County, Wisconsin a board of supervisors and very engaged in her community and in interfaith uh, works of all kinds. So um, thank you so much, Sandra, for being my guest today. You have really inspired me and I know all the listeners. Oh, thank you, Anna. It's been a joy to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank all of you for listening and God bless you in all ways and uh, get involved. And uh, it'll bless you. You'll be of service. And uh, that's what we all need. So have a wonderful week. And we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting, no more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you are ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. 
We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zender every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.